This is the Love That Album Compilation Edition, covering soundtracks, tribute albums, best ofs, box sets, and more. This is Eric Reanimator back for another compilation edition. This time around we're going to be talking about a couple of 1950s era styles and specifically in the form of the Rhino box sets that cover these two. Uh, starting off with the Doo-Wop box set volume 1, 101 vocal gems from the golden age of rock and roll. For those who don't know, Doo-Wop is a style of rock music that is heavy on vocal sounds. Uh, There might be some instrumentation, there might be a drum or there might be a piano, but the music itself is derived from the human voice. It was very popular in the 1950s and into the 1960s and has had a nostalgic resurgence a couple of times since then. So let's sample some of what doo-wop has to offer. In those couple of tracks I just played, hopefully you can hear some things that were echoed later on in rock and roll. Obviously, Barbara Ann was covered by the Beach Boys. There is definitely an echo of doo-wop in the kind of sing-along, chanted vocals of, say, Oi Music, or certain punk bands, especially the Misfits, were tagged as having been influenced by doo-wop probably safe to say that musicals like Grease and shows like Happy Days also played into the fact that doo-wop remained popular during my own childhood and as a teenager and even into my 20s it wasn't uncommon to see either full-length television infomercials trying to sell you compilations of 50s rock that included a lot of doo-wop or regular two or three minute commercials that you would see between Uh, commercial breaks on monster movies on your local UHF station here in the States. 
These songs were also a staple of the oldies stations that used to be a part of the radio landscape into the early or to late 90s probably. Uh, as generations evolve and die off, we do definitely see a lot of music that falls by the wayside. Be hard pressed today to find a radio station in the United States that would play swing music, for instance. There's possibly a jazz station out there that might have a swing hour. There's definitely some smaller stations that have their martini lunches where you'll hear Sinatra or Dean Martin, but music of the 1940s and 50s doesn't really get much play on what passes for modern radio. At least here in the States, you can insert my standard rant about the Telecom Act of 1996. I guess I would, however, be curious as to how well this style of music from this era does on streaming platforms like Spotify or does on a platform such as YouTube. That said, there is something definitely fun and bouncy and accessible about this music. It's not that it's inoffensive, but it's innocent. And it's not maybe something that would be objectionable to censors of the modern era. In fact, I believe Tipper Gore probably was part of a vocal group who were definitely not doo-wop before she became the national scold here in the United States. All right, let's listen to a few more tunes. I'm going to come back on the other side, and we'll talk about box sets in general, and then we'll move on to our next set. Let's go strolling. I promised a little bit of talk about box sets. I have probably half a dozen left in my collection at this point. There was a time of a probably about 20 years, let's say from about 1985 till about 2005, when box sets were a going concern in the music industry. It was a way to package not only artists' albums together, but to package together scenes and sounds and eras of music that were maybe more singles oriented and that's the case with doo-wop i didn't necessarily look but i'm willing to bet that most of these bands never recorded what we would consider a proper album their output of note consisted of a few singles of course the big names like dion and the belmonts or the platters probably had albums and they definitely had careers that extended past the doo-wop era but much like punk rock, much like garage rock, and much like 50s rock and roll, which we're going to talk about next, 
this was a time and a scene and a genre that was probably best encapsulated by singles. Putting out a box set collecting these singles is probably the best way to hand the listener a easily accessible overview of the genre and the what we'll call the scene. Collecting these on four discs in a box set just made sense. The price points usually were $65 to $100 depending on the era we're talking about. And if you paid a little bit for liner notes and for good packaging, you probably had a pretty good return on investment. And this is what Rhino Records excelled at. This is how Rhino Records had developed with reissuing forgotten artists, putting together a compilation of somebody's music to put it out in the marketplace for the small group of fans or listeners or rock historians that were interested. A lot of these box sets were also ideal for DJs playing school dances or weddings or those kind of events that you wanted to have the songs of an era to put on for people who lived through that era to reminisce. I'm sure there's a aftermarket for these box sets at retirement homes where as we see the silent generation entering that phase of life, they're going to want to hear these songs of their youth. And if a nursing assistant or somebody can come into the rec room and put a you know, CD on, they don't really care about the streaming or anything, put on a CD of doo-wop or a 50s rock and roll, I'm sure that is much appreciated. And honestly, for this first box set, the picks are pretty obvious. There's a lot of well-known songs, a lot of songs you've probably heard on television or in a movie or on the radio. So it really isn't a deep dive. There's enough deep cuts that people that were of that era might remember, but the general public isn't necessarily going to know. For me, these box sets are the kind of thing that, hey, if you're going on a road trip, put the CDs in the car. If you still have a CD player in your car, it's a good way to let the miles roll on by. None of these songs are more than two or three minutes. None of them are going to be too obnoxious. There's enough variety and tempo and in sound that they don't necessarily become repetitive or boring. So I'm going to play a little more doo-wop, including one of my favorite songs. And then we'll come back and we'll talk about some rockin' bones. Starting off with one that was famously covered by both Guns N' Roses and Robocop. Skip the beat. 
Now we move on from doo-wop to Rockin' Bones, 50s Punk and Rockabilly, which is a Rhino box set that came out in 2006. It largely consists of the same songs that were included on their Loud, Fast, and Out of Control 50s Rock and Roll box a couple years earlier, but this time they've added some more deep cuts, oddball tracks, and one-offs. There's definitely a more rock-punk or what is now referred to as garage punk feel to this than there was with that earlier box set, which I have and is excellent. And if you can find it, I highly recommend it. Once again, this is a singles scene. This is an era where bands were not necessarily making full-length albums, and the albums that did come out were oftentimes just collections of the singles. There are some big names here. I'm not going to be playing the big names because I want to expose people to some of the lesser-known bands. But Carl Perkins is on here. Elvis is on here. Link Ray, Gene Vincent, Eddie Cochran, those kinds of names. Alongside people like Dwight Pullen and Vince Taylor, you know, a cross-section of artists. There's also Thumper Jones on here, which is George Jones, the country singer in his rockabilly days. There's also some material on here that's kind of pushing the envelope, singing about hell or flying saucers or being a delinquent, those kinds of things. It's definitely a 50s pulp aesthetic. In fact, the packaging looks like a 1950s juvenile delinquent novel. And a lot of the songs also reflect that, so let's check a couple out. Well, I'm a ringtail tool, a fat foot sound. Getting people in a jam I'm a juvenile Them a cast thought I was a law. Well, the girl started screaming and a carrying on. Don't be frightened. Oh, well, I tell you, sinner, sinner, you're gonna go down there, down there. Yeah, you better be right Sinner, you better be right 
Bones came out in 2006. And to be honest, I had no intention on buying it when it came out. Then I heard a report about it on National Public Radio, or a review, I should say, and I was intrigued. There was a, a saturation point for these box sets. There were some diminishing returns. If you look at the Nuggets sets, Nuggets 1, you need to own. Nuggets 2 is almost as essential. I'm a big fan of Nuggets 3. It's got some wonky places in it and it's a little little sh- I don't know what's the word it's a little um, all over the place maybe it's not quite as focused as it could be but you start getting into the Los Angeles or the San Francisco scene and I'm sure for people that are really into it that's great but as a general listener or even as a more than casual listener those sets got a little too niche for me but it, with this set, there was something about it, especially the inclusion of some of the more oddball songs, the inclusion of tracks that were a little bit off the beaten path, that were maybe a little more raw, a little more what we would call punk. And by punk, I mean not quite as polished. I mean basic. I mean more about the energy and the drive than the precision or the skill. And to be honest, I'm glad that I picked this one up. I think the packaging could have been a little nicer. This, It's more of a book than a box. And the liner notes come in the slip-out case that's kind of a pain to get things back into. And the way the discs are in here, uh, it's a little bit wonky. But the music is great. The songs are great. The way it's put together, you know, those little complaints aside, it's pretty solid. Now, in this day and age of streaming and YouTube and Bandcamp, where bands who might have had one or two good singles suddenly can get a whole bunch of demos or live recordings out there. I don't know how much call there is for a box set to highlight a scene. On the other hand, there is something about the way these things are curated. The idea that people that know what they're doing as far as understanding the scene, having dug through the archives of 45s and master tapes and being able to bring context with these bands played together or there was a short-lived scene in this area around this band or this particular sound, I think that has more value than we realize it. It's the signal-to-noise problem. It's the being able to separate what's essential from what's non-essential. The box set era as we knew it is done. I can see a market out there for reissue box sets of particular artists or albums that are of note. Something like the Stooges Funhouse box set that came out. For Stooges completists, that is a treasure trove. For the casual listener, not so much. And the fact that when Rhino originally put that out, that was part of their handmade program, which was designed to have a limited number of units so that it was attractive to just the people that were interested and could be priced accordingly, I think that makes sense. I bet you there's also going to be a market for some of these sets, especially the Nugget set, to come out as an LP set at this point in time with the vinyl revival. However, as compact discs box sets, I don't really see the market for that, and that's a shame because 
part of it was the liner notes and the artwork and that kind of thing. It'd be interesting to see if somebody could make something out of offering the liner notes and the artwork as a book and then including a download or a streaming playlist to go along with it. That might be the future of these kinds of sets. I don't know. We shall see. At any rate, this has been Eric Reanimator. Thank you for listening, and we will see you next time. When I take a ride in my car, I let it roll. Hear me, I said I let it roll. I like to feel that wind in my face, nice and cold. If your chicks are timid, you just better turn back. Because when I take a ride in my car, it's got to be action-packed. Hear me? Action-packed. Yeah. If your music's going to move, man, I've got to feel a beat. Nothing slow for the heart. I want a beat for the feet. Hear me? I said a beat for the feet. Well, if you play it slow and easy, now that, I can't dig a lick like that. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.